God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right, my name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cruota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, uh, Biden is having a bad week. Yes, he's definitely having a bad week. Well, he certainly had a bad week at the Supreme Court when his vaccine mandate that would have required employers with 100 or more employees to mandate that their employees have a vaccine or they lose their jobs. When that failed, that was definitely, um, you know, a bad day for Biden. Also, the his attempts to get rid of the filibuster failed as well with um, both uh, Kristen Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin, um, you know, not backing him. So it's really, uh, it's you know, and then of course, as we see every day, the economy is not doing well. We have, while well, we have some good news, so we're seeing inflation up to 7% when it was about 1% under President Trump. The price of milk, the price of butter, scarcity of items. You know, I went looking for milk recently. We tried to get it through one source. It wasn't available. I went into a, a you know, a, to order it online. I went into a, a store they told me they hadn't gotten their delivery and they tried to blame the weather i and mean it, and it's more expensive and it's more expensive i mean and we're going to see more and more of these supply chain issues when you go in and you try to make a you know some type of meal you and you're seeing the basic staples not available all of this is looking very bad for biden the only thing that did pass was his infrastructure bill and they're trying to change the conversation and focus on that but but the whole vaccine thing is is a big loss for him, you know. As is a lot of what's go, else is going on on the economic front. Well, thank goodness for Mansion and Cinema, though, yes. who will block the filibuster. So, yeah. you know, we're not going to have Puerto Rico and D.C. and some other liberal uh, uh, colonies uh, become states, and that's uh, going to prevent the uh, Biden administration from packing. The Senate or the Senate from packing the Senate, um, which is basically the, the radical left packing the Senate and giving us maybe six more liberal senators. And that would be a very difficult thing to overcome. 
if we had 106 senators instead of 100 and all the, the you know the six new senators would be all democrats so that would be a problem and then um packing the courts mm-hmm. of course uh when Joe Manchin initially said he was uh, opposed to packing the courts, I thought, great. But I said, you watch. He's going to allow the filibuster to go through, and uh, that's go- and then his vote's not even going to count because they're going to pack the Senate, and then they're going to basically pack the courts. And uh, that didn't happen, uh, and my prayers were answered. But... Uh, Joe Manchin came through because one led one would lead to another, and he would be scot free, not having to be uh, responsible for some of these other things if he could have gotten the sen- if they if the Democrats would have gotten their way. As it is, um, Manchin did the right thing with the filibuster, which prevented all of this stuff. It was really the linchpin. And, you know, like I was saying to the audience uh, earlier in the week, Leonora, that uh, I'm actually not a big fan of the filibuster. But it can waste time if it's not managed properly. Right. I mean, we have stories of people doing it for 14 hours. Yeah, well, that's the old school filibuster. Yeah, but yeah. then they had a new procedure yeah. where all you got to do is put a ticket in and say, uh, I'm going to filibuster this rule. And now you need 60 votes. Right. And they just sort of forgo the theater. Right. Um, that's the the one part of it, but the the second the second part is that it's hard to get sixty sixty votes in the Senate. Um, a couple of uh, regular bills you need fifty one, and some more important uh, game changers you need sixty, and it just depends. So the minority party can block 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 all the time. And that seems to be the case right now. That was the case during the Trump administration when Mitch McConnell was the, the leader of the Senate. And and uh, it sort of it creates a gridlock. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of it, but right now I'm a fan of it because uh, if, if the Senate would have gotten their way and ended the filibuster, all these radical left-wing ideas... It used to be, though, that the Democrats and the Republicans weren't that far apart on issues. They weren't. But now that we've we've gotten a progressive wing of the Democrat Party, you know, the squad or whatever we're calling them currently, and they are pushing and pushing further and further to the left so that the divide is so great that there's there's no ability to come to the center. And that, you know, that's, you know, the losers in this whole circumstance are the American people. Absolutely. So, you know, this uh, reporter queued up Jen Psaki really well. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a listen to this reporter saying things just seem to be going pretty poorly right now for the White House. She she uh, we're not going to listen to her response because uh, I didn't have that clip. But her response was, well, in the White House, we're not doing bunnies and and ice cream. You know, well, you actually are doing ice cream. That's what. That seems to be the only question that Biden will answer these days. He hasn't had a press conference in 70 days, I I think it was. Um, But let's take a listen to this reporter's questioning. Things just seem like they're going pretty poorly right now for for the White House. You know, Build Back Better is being blocked. Voting rights is being blocked. Diplomatic talks with Russia doesn't seem to have brought us back from the ranks. 
the brink of war, inflation's at a 40-year high, the virus is setting records for infection. So as we kind of hit this one-year period and a period where everything seems like it's in pretty rough shape or nearly everything, um, which is not an invitation, I guess, to list off <laughs> um, some other things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering at what point do you take stock and say that things need to change internally, whether it's your outreach for the Hill, whether it's the leadership within the White House. Uh, it, you seem to be stymied on an incredible number of fronts right now. Why do they keep hiring these same losers? Jen Psaki, she was in the Obama White House. And uh, she, you know, she was in the State Department. At the she time. was in the State Department. Yeah, but she also, was like a communicate. She was a spokesperson. Yes, that's true. But do you recall that picture when they were doing a send off? Yeah. And she was front and center, and her yeah. face was really grim. Yeah. When they had to leave the White House yeah. after eight years of yeah. destroying, I her remember. Country. I remember. Yeah. She used to wear these chunky, clunky necklaces. She's, she's gotten away from that. <clears throat> yeah, that was the thing. Uh, Hillary Clinton kind of set the stage for that. Um, but you hear the, this reporter, you know, talking about uh, inflation, economy, supply chain, COVID response, foreign policy, uh, the, the blunders on the border. And all of these things are man-made. I mean, they're self-made. They're self-created. Speaking, if they did nothing. If they did nothing, yeah. They would have been better off. Well, absolutely. And that's how Joe Biden essentially won. <laughs> was he, what, he, he, he was hiding out, not saying anything. And the, and, the thing, and the thing is, what's really scary about this, when you think about what the Democrats are doing next, there's all this talk about running Hillary Clinton in 2024. If that's the best they can do, that they're going to bring back Hillary Clinton for, you know, a third time. If that's where the enthusiasm is, that's that's pretty pathetic. Hillary 3.0. But, you know, it should tell you everything you need to know about what's going on in, in our government right yeah. now. That they uh, that it's the Clintons, it's the Bushes, it's the cabal. And they can't go outside of the cabal. Because the corruption that's going on, I said this about Loretta Lynch and Eric Holder's replacement. Right. Eric Holder was leaving after six years, seven years with uh, being Obama's wingman as the attorney general. I said to you, yeah. Leonora, I said, who are they going to get to replace him? He's yeah. so corrupt. He was the most corrupt AG. Yeah. Who are they going to get to replace him? And sure enough, they got one of his cronies, one of his, uh, basically his uh, pupils, you know. uh, The word you're looking for is uh, protege. Proteges, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, Began with a P. Yeah, that's true. And and he was sort of a mentor to her. And she looked up to him. And basically, she went along and said yes to it. She was basically a rubber stamp. She was a puppet. Yeah. to the Obama regime. And that I I said, well, there you go. There you go. That's an insider that's not going to uh, basically talk about what she has found in terms of the corruption cookie jar, right? Yeah. And the same thing is true with what's going on with the Democrat Party and how corrupt the election rigging is and how corrupt the system is. They can't get an outsider to come in. They would look and see what's going on if, if, if this person had one ounce of integrity and basically want to change it or upset the apple card or 
be a whistleblower. They can't run that risk. So we have to get these old farts, these Pelosi's and these Chucky, Chucky Schumer, crocodile tear Chucky Schumer. And all of these people that have failed America for 20 years. And we just keep going back to the well, back to the well. Because it's not about talent. It's about secrets. Yeah. It's about covering up the crimes. It's about the criminal behavior in Syria and Ukraine and Afghanistan and our foreign policy, which has just led to one, one massive corruption after another. And if surely it's, it's got to be Hillary or someone like that who already knows where all the skeletons are because they can't run the risk of bringing in someone new. They got to groom them first. They got to change their mental way of thinking. Before and that they're probably working on Buttigieg and Beto right now. Oh, absolutely. Hey, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Scott. Hey, Leonora. It's John from Idaho. Hey, hey John. John. Hi. Um, I wanted to address the, the, what, the beginning of the show. What you guys were talking about isn't the, um, the, the both the decisions by the Supreme Court. The one I really see um, with, with the the hospitals, it's going to force single payer, and it's going to put a lot of smaller hospitals in suburbia out of business because of the, that birdie. And then the one with the 100, 100 employees or more, isn't that just a stay and not like a final decision? Didn't they kind of throw it back? Yeah, um, Marco Cleveland writes this. She says, Justices Robert and Kavanaugh both acquiesced in the Biden Department of Health and Human Services power grab. Uh, so she basically says that uh, the Supreme Court's ruling on vaccine mandates is frighteningly weak. And I thought the same thing. Um, but OSHA has definitely been denied uh, their ability to uh, create this kind of enforcement on corporations, but it's the medical professionals that are still left waiting in the wings. There's, they, and, and to his point, to the to uh, John's point, yeah. a lot of you know we're going to have a, we're going to have a shortage of hospital employees. I right. mean, we were you know you and I were talking about this pre-COVID about all the importing of people and everything. Yes. So so that's just going to get and, worse. And not only that, but they're 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 so uh, mysteriously hell bent on this vax. You got to be vaccinated. Uh, because again, the vaccine is a is a gateway to the social credit score system. And I think that's the the reason why they're motivated that way. I mean, just look at Djokovic, right in Australia. He's the number one pl- tennis player in the world, and they're revoking his visa because of uh, vaccine mandate issues. He's not vaccinated, um, and now we have hospital workers that are in the hospital that uh, are are sick. Tested positive, are sick, but because they have a vaccination, they're allowed to go ahead and work. But other people that are normally healthy and fine have been working the front lines for two years. And all of a sudden, because they're not vaccinated, they get fired. And now Citicorp. Is firing a bunch of employees. Yeah, well, so, yeah. If, if they're if you know you're not manned, if you're not vaccinated, I think in some instances so you have the option held to the OSHA. 
situation? Well, City Corp, City. Well, what, what's going on is that there are people that State are going in private well, choices. Well, no, they're making their own choices. You can decide yes. that you're not going to follow the CDC guidelines. You can decide that you're going to go above That's and right. beyond. That's correct, and yeah. and that's what's happening at Citicorp. But you know, um, the smaller businesses and are, Fox News, for uh, example, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or any of those places, they can decide. But like like a small business, if they suddenly um, have to follow all these mandates and they they lose a chunk of their workforce, if you only have twenty employees, right, right. you really suffer. So, John, sorry about that. We took over your spot there, but go ahead. No, no problem. I just I just see this as single payer being pushed through come hell or high water that it's all going to end up that way with when all these hospitals start closing down because uh you know they're on the they're on the nipple of the government with medicare and medicaid it's gonna they're gonna come up with a we can fix all this just single payers wow yeah i think that's uh what what's been that's good analysis too by the way uh because uh that is I haven't, um, you know, I was still reading up on that, you know, that aspect of it. And uh, so you're kind of ahead of me on that uh, with respect to uh, that wrinkle. But I think you're right. Yeah, that seems to be what I've been reading in these tweets. And uh, I was going through this um, Margot Cleveland article over at the Federalist talking about that same thing. And abortion, then there goes abortion no matter what the... Looks like the Supreme Court rules because if they single bear, abortion will be pushed right through too. But yeah. I just wanted to drop that line to you guys and enjoy your show always. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for calling in. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye bye. But you know, you know, the, the, a point that's really interesting about this is that. A lot of employers are making their own decisions to go above and beyond, and uh, and you know we're seeing this with some of the firings of that. That's always been the case about the seventy percent. Is the yeah. corporations were never held down to the Constitution. It's the government officials that are held down to the Constitution. And yeah, and we're seeing this. Um, you know, again, this is this will uh, this will impact. You have a lot of quote, quote unquote woke businesses, which we see in certain areas. Like there's woke businesses in Northern Virginia and Philadelphia, New York, other places, which will say, okay, we're going to. This is what we want to do, and and they create these policies which are going to be discriminatory um, against people who might have religious beliefs that they don't want to have a vaccine, or they may have immunology issues where they don't want the vaccine, or there's there's so many you know all the basic libertarian uh, issues. Religious issues. Well, yeah, exactly. I did, okay. but but the thing is, but you know what I find very interesting is you you mentioned the famous tennis player. I'm also starting to see this actors where this is happening, and oh, yeah, you were uh, I was that. mentioning this. Uh, Richard Berge, who um, he, he's a good-looking actor. He's a 63 years old. He's been on a lot of. He's been on soaps and on some primetime TV. Was in um, in her shoes with um, Tony Collette, and he tends to play a cad type role, good-looking cad. He was uh, booted from Young and the Restless because. Um, he inadvertently, accidentally violated the um, the COVID uh, requirements of the show. He followed the CDC guidelines that said you can't return. He had tested positive, but you can't return until, you know, after five days of testing where you've tested negative. You know, there had to be a 
time period of at least five days and you have to test negative. Well, apparently the show's guideline was 10 days, so he gets fired. Now, there were also two other um, soap actors who, um, Steve Burton and Ingo Rengemecker, who um, back in December were both fired from their long-term gigs uh, and, and they because they didn't want to get the vaccine because they were opposed to it. I'm also finding it interesting, and just using this as as an anecdote, that all three of these individuals are over 50 years old. And I'm kind of wondering if, as we look at what's happening in the workplace, I mean, just using this as a little microcosm, are we using COVID as a way to to create an attrition and I'm sure places like Citibank, you know, I worked for a huge bank. I worked for uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and they would have r- frequent reorganizations, and uh, they would be hiring, it seemed, all the time, but they were also firing, it seemed, all the time. And you would have these situations where they would get rid of roles, and you kind of wonder, are they pushing people out that could potentially be older because they're concerned about h- health care costs? Wow. You know, I mean... And- I, I actually think that was part of their strategy in Italy. Yeah. They had a really old population, and they got hit the hardest with yeah. the COVID when it first came out. Yeah. And I said, then, you know, I was like, well, uh, chalk one up for, you know, government socialized medicine. Uh, according, you know, according to Bill Gates, he wanted to reduce the world's population from $9 billion to $6.5 billion. He said it on tape. Yeah. Right, I've played it like a thousand times on this show, and um, and and there's Italy, you know, uh, making out like a bandit because they were getting crushed with medical uh, expenses because the government was footing the bill for all that stuff, and they made out like a bandit. I have a feeling. I'm just want to make one more point about and, this. and social security uh, types of entitlements exactly. where people work their whole life. Uh, for their return on investment, and their retirement, it. and they don't get, get it because get. Uh, of this bioweapon. Well, you know, I, I, here's my, I'm just spitballing here, as you like to say, but I have a funny feeling. If you uh, peel back the onion on some of these corporations and the people who don't get vaccines or the people who, you know, uh, you know, follow their own guide, follow the CDC and don't want to be, you know, going above and beyond. There, there, there probably are instances where the people are either older or maybe they're in childbearing years mm. and they have concerns. Well, think about that. Older people have health, higher health care costs. People who are having babies present higher health care costs. And they're also taking time off, and they're higher salary, and they're high. Yeah, well, they're well, all of that. So, yeah. so, so you have you have all these things going on. I just have a funny feeling. I think there's some type of eugenics. That, you know, some okay, going so what you're on. suggesting is the corporations have gotten together and said, you know what, we could exploit this uh, COVID response uh, to our benefit by getting rid of some of the people, the senior uh, staffers that are overpaid. Uh, under te- technologically under uh, performing, Maybe. and uh, and their pensions. Some of them have their pensions coming up, and well, so that, on and so forth. And and then you call, and then also on the other end of the spectrum, you could be looking at people who have children 
or just our childbearing years that are wow. saying, well, you know, I may not want a vaccine a right ruse. now. I'm pregnant. And they do it all under this umbrella. All right, um, this and, is not scientific. And this they're is, not going to ever get sued. The, all right, folks, let me just clarify this. This is not scientific. This is me just speculating. And I just yeah. do, but I do think there's some truth behind it because when you look at it, sure. there, the, the, it's always about Don't the money. Don't ever let a crisis go, good crisis exactly. go to waste. Didn't Rahm Emanuel say that? Yes, he did. He did. So um, here's the thing. I want to I want to play this clip uh, of this economist. This is on uh, MSNBC, so people are starting to hear this outside of Fox News or you know the conservative uh, realm. They're starting to get wind of the failures of Joe Biden. But this economy, now this economist, he says one thing I disagree with, and it's uh, you're going to hear it. Uh, he, he talks a lot about the details. He's a good economist, but um, he also talks about how the unemployment is low. Yeah. But the unemployment is low because the jobs aren't coming back. I have another clip from, I think it's CBS, uh, the uh, chief economist over at ADP. Uh, and she basically then responds to the job numbers. So, you know, let's take a listen to these two clips. This is uh, Steve Ratner. Uh, weighs in on the dramatic increase in inflation under Joe Biden, which is unlike anything we've experienced in the last 40 years. Prices are going up everywhere. Good morning, Mika. Yes, I have charts for you. I'm going to try to put this in some perspective and show how it's affecting ordinary Americans and implicitly uh, President Biden's approval ratings. So you can see here the, dr- the dramatic increase in inflation from anything we've experienced in the last 40 years. And so you see it over on the right where we are now. You see a dotted black line that takes us all the way back almost exactly 40 years to hyperinflation that a few of us remember uh, back when uh, not only was inflation very high, but interest rates were 50 percent. Unemployment was 9 percent. And we have not seen anything like this. We've not seen anything like this in a while. It's across the board. Prices are going up everywhere. People People will see it in things like furniture up 14%, meat is up 14%, used car prices are up 37%. And the one that I think consumers pay the most attention to, of course, often is gasoline, which has gone from $2.20 a barrel a year ago to $3.30 now. Now, why is all this happening? You have a combination of enormous demand. We put a lot of stimulus in this economy. People have gone back to work. The unemployment rate is down in the 4% neighborhood. And they did not spend a lot of money during the lockdown, so they have extra money. And on top of that, you have all the supply shortages and things like that that you've heard talked about. Now, one of the things that's been interesting about this to professionals and probably to the public as well is how much this was missed uh, both by the government sector and to a considerable degree by the private sector. This shows you what projections were in the course of last year. And if you look at the first four bars to the left, this is a combination of Goldman Sachs, the Congressional Budget Office, the Federal Reserve, and the White House. So four distinguished groups. You see they were all project- projecting 2% inflation all the way through their May forecasts. And it was only starting in July that they started to catch up with the idea that there was, in in fact, going to be substantial inflation. And you can see their projections were rising, but they never even got to the 7 percent that we reported uh, uh, that was reported just the other day, as you mentioned. And so this was really missed. Larry Summers caught it. A few other people caught it. I'd like to think I caught it, but it was really missed by the vast bulk of 
the, uh, of, of the professionals and most importantly by the Biden administration, by the Federal Reserve, who drive our economic policy. Well, you know, and the forecast uh, for the jobs last week, yeah. I guess we're going to get a forecast today sometime. Um, but uh, generally, uh, it was bad. Now, it was it was very bad. But we'll, we'll last we'll, week. You're yeah, talking about. yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were expecting 400,000, 450,000 new jobs. They got 199. Yeah. Like less than half. So it's kind of crazy, you know. And uh, remember back in the day, though, with Trump, yeah. they would estimate uh, the estimate would always be fall short of of the successes of Trump. Yeah. The reality was the numbers were always greater in reality. Yeah than what they even estimated because the economy was so great under Trump. Yeah. And we forget, but before COVID, we were riding high yeah. in every category. Yeah. Every category. Let's take a listen to what this... Uh, uh, and, th- and again, this is... Um, oh, this is, more, this is more Ratner on Biden's inflation crisis. The 7% inflation last year was wiped out all... Uh, was wiped out all the wages uh, gains of the average American. Let's take a listen to this. But nonetheless, on average, this inflation, the 7% inflation last year, has wiped out all the wage gains of the average American by a margin. And so I've broken out a few professions on the left that you can see uh, have, have fallen substantially behind. Information, financial activities, education and health, our teachers, manufacturing, all below, well below the 7%. Overall, which is the turquoise bar in the middle, wages went up 5.8% last year. So that is 1.2% less than inflation. But none- So, yeah. Inflation went up way higher yeah. than in a lot of industries. Yeah, no, it's it's up seven percent. Yeah, no, but five point eight was the average. Yeah. of of uh, pay increases. Yeah, but that's crippling corporations. And and under President Trump, inflation was slightly yeah. above one percent. Now here's the chief ADP talking about the jobs. Now this is actually to me more important. Well, it's possible, especially if you're talking about real wages, which are negative if you look at these CPI numbers. What I'm concerned about is that, yes, we've seen wage increases, but we've seen wage increases driven by labor shortages. The economy, and this is an important point, hasn't added one single job from the 2019 high watermark. Not one. All the jobs that we have seen gained are recovered jobs that were mm-hmm. lost. We are not That's yet producing yeah. new jobs. In fact, we're still about nearly 4 million jobs short. So these wage gains are coming on top of a shrinking workforce, and it's not being fueled by productivity enhancements. What's driving inflation right now is the input shortages and the labor shortages and not productivity. So I think that wages are going to be a false metric. It's not driving inflation, uh, and wages are trying to keep up with an economy that is now um, feeling the effects of all kinds of different shortages from different angles. I mean, that's pretty sad. And that's CNBC, I believe. Well, it's possible, Um, especially. And uh, so that particular bit of information, I think, is really important. Of course it's important, yeah. Because Um, we forget, and now it seems so long ago, how many jobs were lost uh, two years ago during the pandemic. Because businesses uh, couldn't operate and they had to let people go. 
Right. Yeah. I'll... Now let's take a listen to this guy. Uh, there's two two more clips. These are from people. Uh, one woman went grocery shopping. She got four bags of groceries. Let's take a listen. And then the next one's even more telling. But let's take a listen to this poor lady who has to decide whether to take her medicine or buy her groceries. This morning, bare shelves and surging prices across the country. With inflation up 7% over the last 12 months, the largest jump since 1982. Four bags of groceries, you're thinking $120, $130, not a problem. But when it came out to $293, I was like, wait a second. Rebecca Cummings, a mother from Murrieta, California, is on a fixed income and says the price increases are leading her to make some serious trade-offs. I'm not going to take my medicine like I'm supposed to so I can at least have food on the table for my family. And it shouldn't be like that. The price of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs up 12.5% from a year ago. But it's not just at the grocery store. Used car prices up a whopping near 40%. Even the cost of shelter surging. Rent up almost 4%. This morning. Everything they just mentioned, everything they just mentioned is... The working middle class right. categories. I mean, everybody needs milk because, and eggs and things like that. No, but you know, here's the thing. I mean, the rich go out to eat. Right. You know, they get their they get their food a, a different way. You know, right. they're going out to eat. They they don't care if they have an extra martini. It's an extra where they go. It's an extra fifteen dollars. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's it's not. They're not on the on the margin, right? They're not on that. Uh, on that threshold uh, like the middle class American worker is and so this is directly impacting the middle class crushing them and making them more dependent on government and uh, that's the sad part the other part is the government keeps competing in the private sector for those jobs because they keep on giving money out and making it very difficult for uh, small businesses to compete with the salary uh, issues, and, and so people are deciding to live off the government, which is what the government wants. They want to groom you. They want to condition you. Well, if you're dependent on the government, then you'll go along with whatever they want to do. And watch this. Americans across the country tell CBS about empty shelves and sticker shock due to Biden's inflation. Empty shelves are becoming a real thing. I'm starting to see it, yeah. and I, I can't get over that. I, you know, I, uh, to your point about milk, I, I uh, because of my back, you know, I, I order a lot through right. Instacart, right? Because I can't carry bags and stuff right, right now. And um, uh, they were out of they just I could not believe it. It was Costco, first time ever. They were out of milk. Yeah, you know, and I know you mentioned that in the beginning, but it was a bit crazy. You know, so many things that were they were just out of. I couldn't get over the price of bacon. Yeah. I'm like, you know, because I buy like a four uh, yeah. thing of bacon yeah. from Costco, yeah. right? And then next thing you know, um, it's been a while since I ordered bacon. And I'm like, I don't remember bacon being that expensive. Yeah. And I went on to something else. But uh, let's take a listen uh, to uh, this guy. This guy's, uh, this is a good clip. 
New federal data show consumer prices soared over the last year. Gas prices are up nearly 50%. Used car prices jumped 37%. And prices of all types of groceries also went up. Shoppers are also finding empty shelves at stores, which is reminiscent of the early days of the pandemic. Scott McFarland has the story. Up and down the aisles of this Whole Foods outside San Francisco. A lot of produce is just out. Like, the green onions gone. Like, <laughs> the apples that I was looking for weren't there. To this shop right in New Jersey. Some of the water was missing last time. Some of the cereals were missing. Shoppers across the country are being met with empty shelves. This is actually the third store I've been to tonight trying to find some pasta. And sticker shock. Prices are off the charts. Off the charts for a middle class family to eat. Last month... It was $5, half a gallon of orange juice. This month, $10 for a half a gallon, but only one type. A new report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics found the price of ground beef jumped 13% over the last year. Fresh fruits, nearly 8%. Eggs, 11%. In addition to the sticker shock, shoppers across the country are complaining of supply chain shortages. Sharing images on social media of empty shelves at grocery stores. Experts say the shortage is a perfect storm. Severe winter weather mixed with supply chain issues and a rise in COVID cases keeping workers out sick amid ongoing staffing shortages. The nation's truckers tell CBS News they're operating with 80,000 fewer drivers than needed. 80,000 fewer dri- drivers than, yeah. than needed. You know, and, and that's uh, that's on um, CBS in the, uh, their main morning show. Yeah. And... Uh, this is this is a terrible week for Joe Biden. But, yeah. you know, when they said um, they only had one orange juice, one, one choice, and it was $10, not $5. Right. That's and that's exactly what's going to start happening that, as well. Is there's there's going to be fewer choices. That's exactly what happened in Russia. Yeah. You know, when we used to hear these stories back in the 80s, it's like, oh, Russia. It's like you get one choice and uh, the shelves are empty. And then in puke. America, we had these, you know, shelves a mile long, and uh, people used to look admire us and respect us and look up and think that we had a great. And look at what's happening now that we've just had a little taste of socialism. And again, I always say this, but I have, you have, I have friends that have been lifelong Democrats, and we've gotten to be their friends through the years. Because we, we lived in New York City. We lived in Philadelphia. Philly, yeah, we're, we we, we, we wouldn't these, have any friends if we only were friends with Republicans. Right, right, because they're very, very liberal places. Um, but the thing is, is that many of these people are, have not changed. They're still doubling down on something like Joe Biden. And you got to wonder, what are you thinking? Because you know and I know these people are pretty smart people. You know, they're well-educated, nice, good people. And yet somehow, I mean, what has happened to their brain that they could actually see this? A synapse collapse. And realize that somehow they're on the right track. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, Kamala Harris was asked this question about, is it time to change course? Like, is it time to you know, not engage in insanity, you know, trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Insanity, right? But no, they just want to double down on stupid. Yeah. What the heck is going on? Yeah. 
I, I actually wanted to make a quick point before you go on to the next thing. You know how we were talking about the vaccine mandates and I brought up a point about the economy? I happened to be looking at uh, CNBC's website and just coincidentally, I saw something about Citibank, Citicorp rather, Yes. that um, of course you've heard that they're going to require their employees to still get either get the either get the vaccine or do the mandatory weekly testing. Well, interestingly enough, their uh, net income fell twenty six percent in the last uh, quarter. So you wonder uh, that I mean, again, various businesses had different levels of success. Like the investment bank was doing better, which is typical, but the consumer bank fell. You know, so the point is, I wonder. You know, that there are these coincidences where your economic performance uh, happens to be going on the downside. And again, this is Citibank. It's cyclical. It's probably not going to last for that long. But on the other hand, isn't it interesting that they're suddenly saying we're imposing, you know, we're sticking to this mandate? Well, it's a great opportunity for attrition. Yeah, attrition. And again, I'm just using Citibank as an example. I have no inside knowledge, but I think that that is a indicator of what's going on across the country. Have they done studies and statistics as to who is anti-vax? Because I can guarantee you, I think the young population does what they're told. Uh, They were talking about this. uh, Victor Davis Hanson was talking about this. This young generation is just like... They're a, sheeples, I think. They're sheeples. Yeah, they just yeah, yeah they just listen. I am and, and so so they're they're sort of like they're sort of like literally radical radical commies, right? Yeah, and they just do what they're told. Like, uh, yeah, they trust. So um, as long as it's a liberal agenda or an idea, um, but uh, I think that the people that don't want to take it generally tend to be more conservative. Yeah, and. Conservatives tend to be a little bit older. So to your point yeah. about attrition, yeah. pensions, uh, retirement, yeah. uh, uh, salary wages uh, higher with old, older people mm-hmm. than younger people. Yeah. I also, think, I also think there are plenty of young conservatives. And some of the young confer- conservatives, here's your other thing. Young conservatives tend to start families sooner than young liberals. And they tend to have more kids. So you, you develop concerns about vaccines when you're pregnant or you have other children in the house. And it's also those are more of the parents, I think, you know, again, I don't this is just anecdotal where where the parents who are the conservative parents are probably more likely to be the ones that are voicing concerns about having their young child be vaccinated versus the liberal parents, some who are more for that. Because it's often the liberal parents that are pushing to keep the schools closed. Again, right. that's not completely true across the boards because we've seen plenty of liberal parents who want the schools. But open. have you noticed too that liberals are getting their vaccines with pride, like it's become a political? It's football. shaming. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's part of it's no, uh, got, virtue I, signaling and you know, shaming. Well, yeah. What was it? Uh, was uh, uh, something Wallace uh, Nicole Wallace? Yeah, she was like. I'm thrice vaccinated, and, and I got the boosters. Re- and we know she used yeah, to she be was a Republican. Bush. <laughs> she was a Bush, Bushian. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the idea is that uh, she says it with such pride. I know. And uh, it's like, oh, the liberals are going to love me. The yeah. liberals that are my audience that listen to, who is she on, CNN? Yeah, she's with CNN. She on CNN? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the question it remains... Do you change course? 
you know, you failed at the Senate. You failed with foreign policy. Jake Sullivan has failed the Biden administration, right? She's on yeah. MSNBC. Oh, she is? Okay. I thought so, it was MSNBC. Okay, see, I didn't know. Um, but uh, the, uh, he's failed with the Senate. He can't get the filibuster, right? He can't get Bill back better. He can't get the bill, uh, filibuster. He can't pack the courts. And he can't pack the Senate. And all these things that he was supposed to uh, achieve, Biden has failed and again, not achieve for us, achieve for their side, their side, their radical left-wing side that would destroy America. And we'll say what you will, but I mean, at least we, we are winning these battles right now and we're fighting back. Come 2022, we take back the House and Senate and it's game over for Biden, right? Yeah. He can't get anything done at that point. Um, and so... He's failing in the walls of halls of Congress. He's failing in Congress, but he can't get these. He cannot his economy. He's failing with the economy. He's failing with the border. He's failing with foreign policy. Jake Sullivan doesn't know crap about foreign policy. He is, you know, just backwards on everything that he does. He's also very corrupt, and he was a Hillary Clinton aide. And he was a Barack Hussein Obama uh, advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan. He was the guy that was knee-deep instrumental in the Russian hoax. And he was also involved in the Ukraine uh, uh, infl- uh, impeachment uh, hoax. Um, he was also good friends with Mike Michael Carpenter, which is... Uh, an advisor to Joe Biden, and he was sitting with Joe Biden when Joe Biden was bragging about firing Victor Shokin uh, and saying, you know, we, we were going to withhold the billion dollars from Ukraine. Now Ukraine's a mess because, again, the Bidens are so compromised that Putin can just look at Biden in the eye and basically do anything he wants because he could end Biden's presidency in two seconds. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is about these world leaders, they have dirt on everybody. And they don't spend their arsenal. They sit on it. And they use it as leverage. They can get so much more. You know, it's like when you have one bullet in the chamber and you have a six-shooter and you're in a room with a bu- six enemies, you know, and you only have one bullet. A, you don't tell them how many bullets you have in the chamber. You might only have one. They might rush you. But number one rule is don't let them know how many bullets you have. They might think you have three. And secondly, you never shoot your last bullet. Right. Uh, because you could always get more out of that bullet through leverage. And that's exactly how the game is played on the international stage. That's exactly what Xi and Putin have done. They got a puppet in the White House. What a dream come true for them. They didn't have a puppet with Trump. But do you remember when Trump was debating um, with uh, Hillary Clinton? These liberals are always projecting what they do themselves onto others. And basically she called uh, Trump Putin's puppet. Yeah. When he had nothing to do with Putin. Right. And it's come out and it's been proven. And sure enough, he's like, I'm not a puppet. I'm not Putin's puppet. You're the puppet. Remember Trump said that? Yes, I, don't I know do if you remember, remember that. I remember that very well. Moment. Yes, it was. 
But in any case, so the Biden administration's failing on all fronts, all fronts. And most of this is uh, because of their radical ideology. It's not so much that they're stupid. It's that they have this radical view, this radical ideology. Like Majorca and Biden have this theory about demographic change and how it helps them politically gain power and how it helps the corporations import slave labor. So they try to open up the borders and they try to screw up Afghanistan and create refugee crises and uh, import uh, citizens inhumanely to uh, rig elections and uh, import slave labor markets. And so that's what they're doing there. And that is failing because one thing you can do is you could fix an election and you could rig the election and you can win uh, by cheating. But the American people and the benefit of our republic and our constitutional structure is that you need some bipartisanship. You need the support of uh, across the aisle in order to get things done. And Americans are standing up and fighting back. And guess what? It's working. Yeah. It's working. We've abolished critical race theory in its tracks. We stopped it in its tracks. You know, and so it's just been a great experience. It's been a tough, exhausting fight, but it's been a great experience to be winning these battles. And eventually, 2022, we take back the House and Senate. 2024, we re, uh, we get Trump back in the White House, and you know, and we're off to the races. We take back our country, but the Biden administration is not going to make cho- uh, changes because. You know, you got Biden in there, and he's being run by a whole bunch of people from the Brookings Institution. Uh, And then you have Kamala Harris, who's got to be about as dumb as a pile of marbles. Seriously. She has some serious communication problems. I do not understand. She does strange things with her face when she speaks, and her head, and she tilts it in a weird way. Yeah, I just don't... I've never seen anybody so moronically stupid as her at such a high level of politics. Yeah. I, I don't even understand it. Like, she doesn't even read a book, it seems like. You know, like, just open up and read a, read a tweet or an article. Well, you formulate know what I an think opinion. she needs? Somebody needs to be um, making sure she's more on point. And this is part of what's going on behind the scenes, or has to be going on behind the scenes, is that her staffers can't stand her. I mean, people keep quitting. Oh, yeah, she's and, mean. And because she's mean. And so then on top of that, I think when people can't stand you, and they're they're leaving in droves. They don't care how you do because part of a job like that is to make your boss look good. Yeah. Make sure your boss is prepared. So we're going to take a listen to Kamala Harris's latest sound clip. Let's take a listen. She was asked, "Is it time to change course?" At what point does the administration say, "You know what? The strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies." Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course to change strategy is it time it is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us (laughs) to slow this thing down at what point what kind of answer is that 
It is time. You should hear some of the spoofs that they're doing on that day. Time, you know, Kamala, the philosopher of time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's absolutely. But this isn't the first time she's been so stupid. Yeah. Look, let's take a listen to what she says about supply chain and inflation. People, they are going into their third year of this pandemic. You're talking about cost of living. Mm-hmm. Was it wrong to consider inflation transitory? I mean, these price spikes seem like they're going to be with us for a while. We have to address the fact that we got to deal with the fact that folks are pay- paying for gas, paying for groceries, and are, 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 are need solutions to it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Short-term solution includes what we need to do around the supply chain. Right? So we went to the ports of Los Angeles, Long Beach, Savannah, Georgia, and said, hey guys, no more five days a week, eight hours a day, 24-7. Let's move the products because people need their product. They need what they need. We're dealing with it in terms of the long term, and that's about what we need to do to pass Build Back Better. It strengthens our economy. People, they are going into their third year of this. All right, so there it is. Now we got two people who called in, and we're going to go ahead and take. You got to do it fast. Yeah, so we got Julie uh, from Pennsylvania, and we got John from Chicago. We're going to start with Julie since she called in first, and John, uh, you all can hear each other as well. Good morning. I'll be real quick. Uh, BIS, this is a financial uh, banking system that actually owns the Federal Reserve. And this is called the Banking for International Settlement. It's owned by the Rothschilds and the Vatican. They, um, in this conglomerate, they bought the highest seats at the Beijing Olympics. These are the players in the world that are, are right now fighting for global control. Federal Reserve, Bank of England, European Central Bank, Bank of Chase, Central Banks of Germany, France, Italy, Sweden, and Canada, India, and Brazil. This is what we're dealing with. This wow. is their fight for the global system. And and, and and I won't take any more. Please have a good weekend. All right. Take Bye. care. And John, <laughs> what say you? <laughs> with 30 Two seconds left. One is, sure, when the Republicans get in, if they get in, what will they do? Too often we're disappointed that they don't follow through with anything and they're punchless. We've got a massive debt. We've got massive problems in our education system. They have to have the guts to do something. Number two. Kamala Harris, I remember a few years ago when she went to Hollywood for a fundraiser when she was running for Senate, these morons were wowed by her. He, she was their pick for presidency. And it, it tells you something how fraudulent and frankly how dumb a lot of our elite are. So, you know, when you see all Hollywood's on this or that, these are not smart people. They may be one-trick ponies, but they really, they really were wowed by her. What does that say about them? Right. So that should be encouraging, actually. Because she is incompetent. But to me, we talked about this. It was evident from the get-go that she is a very dumb woman. Have a nice weekend. All right. Yeah. We'll end with that. Thank you, John. Take care. All right. That's so true, though, isn't it, Leonora? No, it is. Well, you are a very smart woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you make of all this? We got about... Well, we're we're actually running out of time. We're running out of time now. Well, I I, I just think that I'm I'm relieved that the um, mandate with the hundred or so employees did not pass. I think it shows yeah. that there is some reason and some restraint somewhere. Right. Absolutely. Well, hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show, and uh, be sure to check out scottadamsshow.com for the latest podcasts and players. 
Uh, also, check out our 501c3, buglecall.org, magapack.org, uh, and also uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see each other next time on the radio. My name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravota. Bye-bye now. But close enough now to see this mess Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there